Great to see that. I want to just point out a couple things that I think are noteworthy in that and that we, thanks man, you're not like Daniel, you can lift that from last week, way to go. If you were here last week, you'll get that joke. A couple things I think are really noteworthy in that that we can just rejoice in in the church. One is to see another baptism. We've gotten to see a string of baptisms over the past few weeks and man, we rejoice in that and we're going to pray for young Kellen as a church here in just a minute, anytime someone makes that profession of faith, just to remind you, they're declaring that Jesus is Lord, and they're also identifying with the body of Christ. That's us. They're brothers and sisters. So we're going to pray for young Kellen. And then the other thing I just want to rejoice in a little bit is all of our baptisms over the past few weeks is you've seen the role of a dad. And you've seen the role of a dad discipling his kids and sharing the truth in his home. And you see that even tonight with Brent baptizing his son. And we've seen that over the past few weeks. Every baptism we've seen is the dad has been involved. And I know dads are not always present and dads are not always around. But boy, we rejoice, especially this weekend as we celebrate Father's Day and just want to be an encouragement and a challenge and cannot overstate the role of a godly dad investing into his family at home. And we just want to pray for dads tonight as well, and granddads, and uh, want to lift up our fathers here tonight. So why don't we just take a minute or two, I know we've already had a season of prayer, but I want to pray for young Kellen, his walk with the Lord as a church family, and then I want you to pray for dads. Uh, if you see dads around you, maybe your own dad, maybe you're like me, my dad passed away four years ago, and this weekend it just breaks back, I miss him but thankful for the example he was in my life. So church, why don't we just pray? Uh, bow your head for a second and I'll lead us. Don't just listen to me, but uh, let's pray for young Kellen and let's pray for dads. Father, we thank you for what we've already got to be a part of here. Lord, thank you for worship. Thank you that we've been able to sing truth and Lord, have our hearts just focus on you. Lord, we need that on a Saturday night after a, a busy Saturday and a busy week. And Lord, thank you. God, thank you for allowing us to see the baptism of Kellen. And Lord, as a church, now we pray for him. Uh, Lord, I pray for his walk with you, and I pray for his hunger for the word of God. And we, Lord, as a church, pray together for his connection in the body of Christ. And I pray he continues to grow and is sanctified. And Lord, I pray he gives his life to make Jesus known wherever you may call him. And Father, at the same time as we watch this baptism, we're reminded of the role of a dad. And God, I pray and I thank you for the dads that are in this room. And I thank you for the calling you placed on my life to be a dad. And I thank you for the influence of dads. And Lord, I pray for those families where there's an absentee dad. But Lord, I thank you that you are a father to the fatherless. I pray that you encourage the dads of our church to walk with you, lead their families, make you known, and glory in King Jesus. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for this time. Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, amen. amen. Awesome. Well, great to be with you tonight. Why don't you, why don't you go ahead and take your Bible and open up to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. And Paul mentioned that earlier. That's where we've been reading this week in our uh, Bible 2020 reading plan. The, the, the long book of Jeremiah, there's a lot there. And we're going to take a couple weeks and walk through that book. And we're going to be in that tonight. But Jeremiah is really, you could call him the faithful prophet a faithful voice of truth. Now, as I've been wrestling with Jeremiah and spent a lot of time there the last few weeks, I, 
I realize that how important the book of Jeremiah is for us in our cultural moment, even as a country. I don't know about you, but one of the things I wrestle with, even today in our, let's just be honest, we're inundated with constant voices declaring this, saying that, recommending this, saying this is what's important, this is what we ought to do, this is what we shouldn't do. Listen, there are times I'm just saying, can we really believe anything we're hearing? And I'll be honest, I, I wrestle with that sometimes. And we ought to always be discerning about the voices that we're hearing. And I, I even came across a poll that I thought was interesting because you can always trust polls that you hear, right? So this poll said something like this, who can be trusted in America? And, and by the way, it was interesting, the number one ranking of an individual or people that could be trusted in America was, was nurses. <laughs> the lowest were members of Congress. Seriously. And within this poll, there were some other interesting stats. 28% of Americans said they had a fair to low amount of trust in the media that they were watching and getting their news from. No surprise. Less than 30, one third of Americans said they trust their government most of the time. This one was a little bit cutting. 37 of Americans said they viewed the clergy or pastors as honest with high ethical standards. Only 37%. 29% of Americans, only 29% said they had a high trust even in other Americans. So I say all that because I want to create a little bit of attention for us as we go into the book of Jeremiah. And the question is this, what are the voices that we're hearing? Who, can we believe what we're even hearing? That raises the bar for what the Apostle Paul, and you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to kick us off in Ephesians chapter 5 or chapter 4. The Apostle Paul gives this command and this call and this mandate to the followers of Jesus, us, Jesus followers. And he says this, Ephesians 4.25, therefore, laying aside falsehood, we... The people of God are to speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. There's this charge by the Apostle Paul to the believers there in Ephesus, and it's this. It's to be, it's to be voices of truth. So, so here's our big truth that I'm, I'm going to kind of pull through over the next couple weeks as we walk through Jeremiah. And here it is. That God calls his people, that's us, to be faithful voices of truth. So important in the season and the culture we find ourselves in. Now, what does it look like to be a faithful voice of truth? The book of Jeremiah. If you give a heading to Jeremiah and the book of Jeremiah, it would be that. It's about a prophet, a, a young man named Jeremiah who was that. He was a faithful voice of truth. Man, I really hope you're diving down into the book of Jeremiah as part of our reading plan. Jeremiah was a young Jewish boy who was called by God to be a prophet to his people Judah. Now, he was called by God to be a truth teller 
to the people of God, listen, during a time of immense deception, immense rebellion by God's people, a time of idolatry. We read Jeremiah chapter 2 just a minute ago among God's people, Judah, and the surrounding nations. And God says, okay, Jeremiah, you are going to be a faithful, consistent, constant voice of truth. It's Jeremiah. He was a young man. He was in a, you could call him an 11th hour prophet. Meaning, as you've been reading through Jeremiah, Jeremiah is the one whose ministry is right at the last few years before Babylon comes in and wipes out the southern kingdom, Judah, levels Jerusalem, destroys the temple, and carries the Jews off into exile into Babylon. Jeremiah is the last voice before judgment. He's the 11th hour prophet. He's a lone voice of truth. If you read the book of Jeremiah, you realize there are times that Jeremiah feels very lonely because he is very lonely. There are just not many voices of truth alongside Jeremiah. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 8, I'll just give you a couple samplings of the book of Jeremiah, and then we're going to walk through chapter 1 together tonight. But Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 8, he says this of those other teachers around him. He says, those who handle the law, God speaking, did not even know me. The shepherds transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. He says in chapter 8, verse 9, he says, The wise men shall be put to shame. They shall be dismayed. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So here's the question. What wisdom is in them? In other words, he's talking to the, other, the leaders of Israel, the wise men of Judah, saying they've pushed aside the authority of the word of God. Therefore, what wisdom is in them? Says verse 11 of chapter 8, they, the other leaders of Israel, they have healed the wound of my people lightly saying, peace, peace, where there is no peace. It's a very challenging statement, especially to me as one of your pastors, one of your elders, that we can, if we drift from what is true, the truth of God's word, we can heal the wounds of God's people lightly and we can declare peace where there is no peace. Be very careful about that. Jeremiah was an 11th hour prophet. He was a lone voice of truth. He was a weeping prophet. Man, he, he, Jeremiah is an emotional dude. As you walk through the book of Jeremiah, there are moments where he's literally falling apart emotionally because not only, and this is huge for us, not only is he speaking the truth, not only is he calling the people of Judah to repentance, he, he is weeping at their condition. He is broken at their condition, and he's weeping because he knows imminent judgment is coming by the Babylonians. He knows it's the 11th hour, if you will, and his heart is broken, very much like Jesus standing over Jerusalem and saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wanted to gather you into myself, and you were unwilling. You see so many parallels between Jeremiah and Jesus. Jeremiah says in chapter 13, he says, but if you will not listen, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears because the Lord's flock has been taken captive. He's broken by what he sees. That's a challenge to you and me, by the way. The Bible never calls us merely to be a faithful voice of truth without a heart of deep compassion. 
Jeremiah never backs off an ounce from the truth of God's word, but he weeps over what he has to say. He weeps over the situation, and he weeps over the people God has called him to serve and minister to. Men of great compassion. He's a faithful, enduring prophet. We see that. He had a 50, almost a 50-year ministry. Began with King Josiah. It goes to the time when Babylon entered Jerusalem and Judea. He prophesies through the Babylonian deportation and siege, which lasted about 18 or 20 years. And then he prophesies to the exiles who are carried off into Babylon. He has about a 50-year span of faithful, enduring ministry. Man, he's faithful. We see that a little bit, just kind of pick up chapter 1, verse 1, if you'll look with me. And the goal tonight, I'll just tell you, over the next couple of weeks, chapter 1 tonight, we're going to look at the man, Jeremiah, and the next week we'll look at his message that goes throughout the book. So tonight we want to learn some things from this character, Jeremiah. Verse 1 says, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Ananoth. Now, Ananias is a little suburb of Jerusalem. Jeremiah lived right outside Jerusalem. It says, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came. God speaks to Jeremiah, and then God speaks through Jeremiah, through his revelation. It says, he spoke in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, then keep going. It says, he also spoke in the days of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, keep going until the 11th year of Zedekiah. That was the last king before Babylon comes in and carries Judah off into exile. So imagine being the man and being the prophet who for many years prophesied, judgment is coming. And then this judgment comes in the form of Babylon who laid siege on Jerusalem and Judah for something like 15 to 17 years. It was this long, different phases of judgment, different phases of siege. And then he sees through all that. He sees that happen. And then he sees Judah carried off into exile. And what does he do? He faithfully continues to speak the truth. Wow. It's an incredible picture. He was a suffering prophet. Verse 18 of chapter 18. You don't have to turn there again. You, hopefully you've saw this in your reading. But it says, they said to Jeremiah, come, let us make plots against Jeremiah. Let us strike him with the tongue and let us not pay any attention to his words. So even though Jeremiah is a faithful voice of truth, here's what happens to Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah. You're going to see these as you read through. He had multiple threats of death. He was thrown alive into a pit for, left for dead. He was placed in stocks. He was arrested. He was imprisoned. He faced starvation. He was put in chains. And oh, by the way, almost nobody listened to his message. <laughs> And yet he is held out as a faithful voice of truth for us to study and to look at. Now, here's the big idea again. God calls, just like he calls Jeremiah, God calls his people, us, to be consistent, enduring, faithful voices of truth. And we know exactly where the truth comes from. It comes from the revelation and the living word of God. So what's that look like? 
We'll learn some of these things from the book of Jeremiah of what it looks like to be an enduring, faithful voice of truth. So look with me, verse 4. We're going to continue on in chapter 1. So I want to take a minute and look at the call of Jeremiah, the call that God places on his life. Chapter 1, verse 4 says this, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, now, this is incredible. God's speaking to Jeremiah and his call to this prophet. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, Jeremiah, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So stop right there. I mean, we could preach a whole series of these two verses. Just immense truth here. God says to Jeremiah, all right, he was, he was a youth. We think he was somewhere 17, 18, 19, a very young man. And it's as if God is saying, all right, Jeremiah, I'm going to give you an incredibly difficult task. You're going to go speak my truth. Now, he didn't know how long his ministry was going to last. He didn't know all he was going to face. But God says, you're going to go be my voice of truth to this people. And it is a difficult calling, Jeremiah. And God says, but I want you to know what I have been doing way before I ever called you to be a prophet. And by the way, this is true for every Jesus follower. Before you come to know Christ, before God calls you to a particular role of service, God has been at work way before all of that. So he says to Jeremiah, he says, I knew you. Verse 4 the word new here as it's used in the original language is not merely that God has an awareness of something. Right? God knows everything. We know that. He's not talking about a mere awareness. This word new here is more. It is a sovereign, gracious, purposeful choice. And this is huge for someone who's going to remain faithful to a calling, even when it gets difficult. Jeremiah doesn't start this. He doesn't begin it. God begins this. He says, Jeremiah, before you were ever even born, I knew you. There was a gracious, purposeful choice that I placed upon your life. He says, in light of that, God says, I formed you. Think about this. He says, Jeremiah, I formed you in the womb with everything that I had in my heart for your purpose, all that I had in store for you, I formed you and I knit you intricately in the womb. Nothing about you is a mistake. I formed you knowing the purpose I had for you. By the way, that's true for every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, not only did I know you, not only did I form you and shape you, he said, I consecrated you. Jeremiah, listen, this is something you didn't start. I started this and I have set you apart. The idea of consecration is the idea of taking something and setting it apart for a particular purpose. He says, Jeremiah, this is no accident. This is not haphazard. There is a particular calling and purpose. I've consecrated you for this. And then he says, I have appointed you. That's really important because the word appoint has the idea of divine authority. God Almighty says, I'm appointing you to this task that I chose you for. I chose you, brought you to myself. I formed you in the womb long before you ever even knew this call. I've set you apart. Oh, by the way, I'm the one that's appointed you, Jeremiah, with all the divine authority of God Almighty. Wow. Jeremiah has this massive call in his life. 
Now listen, let's just get really practical here for a minute and chase a little bit of a rabbit. Does God call us, his people, to particular places and particular roles of kingdom service? Of course he does. God has particular calls in our life of places and service. And, and I'll just be honest, I'm, Jennifer and I, we spent 10 years, a decade of our life in Sin City, Las Vegas, not because we thought it was attractive or Las Vegas was on our map to go live in. We sensed the call of God from Vegas. We sensed the call of God to come plant our lives here. And we planted our lives here to carry out the calling of God until he assigns us somewhere else, maybe death. But for you as the child of God, there is this constant listening and hearing to the word of God. And in communion with God, he has formed and shaped and consecrated and set apart. God, what is this role of service you have for me? Listen, let me give you an example in our church. I pray on a regular basis that God will set apart, call out, and send men and women to cross a culture and plant their life where, God, where Jesus is not named. I pray some of us, some of you, maybe me. In this church are constantly wrestling with a call of God that maybe God is equipping me and, and sending me to leave God bless America, East Tennessee Bible Belt, and go plant my life in a place where Jesus is rarely named. I pray God does that in our church continually. So yes, God calls his people to particular roles of kingdom service. But I want to make something clear. Jeremiah knew of this particular calling only as he was immersed in the word of God. Don't, don't miss that. Jeremiah didn't just get up one day and say, you know what? I think I'm going to go be a prophet to the nations. No, it was an overflow of the word of God given place into his life. And that's the way it works. God makes his will and his calling clear in our lives as we bury our lives in his word. That's what happened in the life of Jeremiah. Second thing we see here is this. Not only do we see that there are times God has a particular call to a role of service in our lives. Listen, we see something here that's true of every follower of the Lord Jesus. That we see something here that, that is a calling on the life of every follower of Jesus, wherever you are placed, whatever your occupation, whatever role you currently serve, whether it's in the church, outside the church, in the community, you have a calling on your life. And here it is. I'm going to give you a few big ideas tonight. Here's the first one. Big idea number one. We are chosen and authorized by God to be faithful voices of truth. That's your calling. Let's be honest, we talked about earlier, not just our country, we live in a world, the Bible says that it's lying in the lap of the evil one whose native tongue is deception and lies. And at the same time, the Bible says, I'm going to take, God's going to take his people and plant us as voices of light all over the world to be the sole voices of truth. And where do we find the truth? We find it by bearing our lives in the word of the living God. And then God says, you child of God are to know me, walk with me, and to be a voice of truth wherever I plant you. They're calling. Let me switch over to the New Testament really quick and just give you a quick cross-reference on this. You don't have to turn there. It'll be up on the screen. At 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I think we mentioned this last week, but I want you to see this. The Apostle Peter is talking to believers here 
in the early church and they're facing immense persecution. And he says, he says, I want you to know your identity and I want you to know your primary activity. What's this? He says, but you, you child of God, you are a chosen race. Listen, God was at work long before you came to know him, choosing and calling and setting you apart. You are a royal priesthood. The role of priesthood of interceding to God on behalf of men and to men on behalf of God and declaring the truth. We've been given that responsibility. We are a holy nation. And don't think America there. Think much greater than America. The people of God. A people for his own possession. Just like God declares to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you are my possession. I chose you, formed you, set you apart. He says here, look, you are a people for my own possession. We belong to him. And then he says this, watch. That, so that, you may proclaim. And don't think pastor, don't think preacher, don't think platform, think life. That we may be proclaimers of the excellencies of him, God Almighty, the Lord of hosts, who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Isn't it beautiful? Just like Jeremiah, Peter says to you, all believers, hey, you are chosen. You're chosen people. You belong to God. That you may be voices of truth and wherever God plants you, that you are declaring the greatness and the glory and the beauty and the excellency of who God is, that the word of God is dripping from our mouths, that we are people, we are voices of truth. Listen, in a sea of falsehood, in a sea of falsehood. A couple of things I hope you see from First Peter here, especially in light of, if you're part of our conversation last week, that Peter says, listen, no matter, no matter your age, no matter your gender, no matter your skin color, your primary identity is as the people of God. He says, you may be a lot of other things, but those are secondary to your primary identity. And your primary activity flows out of that to know him and glorify him, his excellencies. And what comes out of your mouth is truth. We are to be voices of truth in a sea of falsehood. Just like Jeremiah. Now, curious, what was Jeremiah's response to God? So God gives Jeremiah this specific call. Right? You're going to be this prophet to the nations. You're going to speak to my people and the neighboring nations around. Verse 6. So Jeremiah understands the weight of it. And he says, then I, then I said, ah, Lord God. Behold, I do not even know how to speak. For I'm only a lad or a youth. I'm only a kid. So he's got, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a really young guy. <laughs> we don't know exactly how old or young Jeremiah was here. Some say 17, 20, somewhere around in there. We'll just say Jeremiah most likely was a teenager. And he says, I, I don't even know how to speak. I'm not qualified for this. And the Lord comes back, verse 7, and says, hold on. Don't you say I'm only a youth. In other words, you don't get a pass from the calling on your life because you're young. It's no excuse. An incredible truth here. Does God use Bible-saturated, spirit-filled, authority-honoring, Jesus-loving young people for his purposes? Amen and amen. 
Throughout the word of God and throughout redemptive history, God has used the youth and the old alike. Here Jeremiah is saying, I'm just a young guy. How can you use me for your purposes? And God says, no, no, no. Don't, just, don't, don't say you're just a young guy. That's no excuse. I have called you. I have chosen you. I have set you apart. I have anointed you. He keeps going. He says, for to all, verse 7, that I'm going to send you, you're going to go. And whatever I command you, you're going to speak. This is incredible. God says, Jeremiah, I know it's fuzzy to you, and I know it's unclear to you, but you just have to trust me, Jeremiah. Surrender to the call that I'm placing on your life. Listen, you're going to go where I lead. You're going to go where I direct. You're going to speak what I give you, the revelation of God. We have the word of God. And he says, go. Do not be afraid of them, verse 8. Listen, Jeremiah knew the season that he was in. Jeremiah knew his kinfolk and he knew the people of Judah had turned their backs on their covenant God. And yet God is calling him to go call them back to repentance. And he's like, man, I don't know about all this. And God says, hold on, don't be afraid. For I'm with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Again, there's a lot here and we could meditate on this verse for a long, long time. Basically, God says, listen, Jeremiah, here's the bottom line. You can either fear man or you can fear me. You can fear what's going to happen to you or you can fear the resistance you're going to get or you can fear me. He said, wherever you, wherever you go, I'm going to lead and direct. I'll give you what to speak. Trust me, Jeremiah. Keep reading verse 9. Then the Lord put out his hand and he touched my mouth, Jeremiah says. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. It's an incredible moment here. God says, I've put my very words into your mouth, Jeremiah. Here's big idea number two. Faithful voices of truth abide in God's word. This is a picture of God literally putting his word into the mouth of Jeremiah that what Jeremiah was going to speak was not going to be his best ideas, not the recommendation from whatever government agency, not anything that he came up with. God says, what you are to speak is what I am I'm delivering to you, my very word. Do we have that? Yes, we have the inspired, recorded word of God, the revelation of God. God has given it to us. So here's the practical application. This was huge. I was wrestling with this this week. Listen, faithful voices of truth, that's us. If we're going to be that in our homes, in our workplaces, among brothers and sisters in Christ, in a world that's screaming and longing for somebody to speak truth, listen, it only is going to flow out of our abiding love relationship with Jesus immersed in the word of God. I mean, that's a good place for an amen. I just won. Amen? amen. I mean, if we think our best opinions and our best understanding and our experiences or our education, whatever it is, is going to give us the capacity to speak truth and help anybody, we are dead wrong. God says, I am putting my words into your mouth, Jeremiah. His public faithfulness 
is an overflow of his private worship, communion, and fellowship with his God in his word. Bible in, truth out. That's the way it works. Jeremiah 15, and you, again, I hope you get there this week or maybe you've already read it. It's one of those verses I encourage you to stop and just ponder on and pray through and meditate on. Jeremiah says this, he says, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became a joy to me and the delight of my heart. Stop right there. That is crazy convicting to me. And this is one of those verses that you stop and say, God, I've got to be honest. Your words were not a delight to me this week. God, I had a hundred things I was chasing. I had a hundred things I was delighting in. And I thought I was going to be able to disciple my kids and speak truth on my own understanding. No way. Jeremiah says, your words, O Lord, were found. I ate them. I devoured them. I, I meditated on the word of God. It became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I'm called by your name. Jeremiah goes back to his calling. Oh, Lord God of hosts. Isn't that awesome? I mean, you want a prayer to pray this week over your own life and pray over your kids and your family? God, let your word be the delight of my heart. You say, I'll just be honest. Mike, that's just not true of me most of the time. Listen, beg God until it is. And get brothers and sisters around you begging on your behalf that you're not chasing lesser things than the truth of God's word that comes from his mouth. Our capacity and ability to be a consistent voice of truth is directly linked to the place we give God's word in our lives. Our gospel proclamation will be directly linked to the place we give God's word in our life. Our discipleship of one another will be directly linked to the place we give God's word in our life. Listen, life groups would go to the next level if we come in immersed in God's word and we are speaking truth into one another's lives of encouragement and admonishment and challenge and prayer and direction and counsel and Man, that we run, listen, that we run to our weekly life group because we need the counsel and the direction God gives through one another. But not just talking about what we saw on Facebook, if you will. It's an overflow of, man, God showed me in his word and I met with him this morning and he, the spirit of God revealed this truth and, I'm and we're speaking truth into one another's lives. That's what Paul calls us to in Ephesians 4. Speak truth to one another because we're members of one another. Man. Parental nurturing and discipling in our families is a direct overflow of the place we give God's word in our lives. Our clarity that we bring to the times we live in, listen, whether it's around the water cooler at work or wherever it is, the clarity that we're able to see in a crazy mixed up time is a direct result to the place you give God's word in your life. And by the way, the exact opposite is true. You want to be walking in immense confusion, then you just push the word of God aside and listen to the millions of infinite voices that you're hearing constantly, and you will walk in constant fear and confusion. 
Jeremiah said, your words, I found them, I ate them. Keep going. Verse 10, he says, see, I have set you this day, God speaking again to Jeremiah, he says, see, I've set you this day over the nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overflow or overthrow, to build and to plant. So Jeremiah, as you speak truth, it's going to hurt some. As you speak truth, it's gonna tear down some things. As you speak truth, it's gonna overthrow some things. As you speak truth, it's gonna build some things. It's gonna plant some things. But my word will not return void. Listen to verse 11 and 12. I love these. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he said, I see an almond branch. And he's speaking of the coming judgment. The almond branch was the first tree to bloom. And he said, the judgment is imminent. And he said to me, you have seen well, verse 12, and mark this in your Bible. And God says, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Oh, that's awesome. And you want some encouragement as a voice of truth? You want some encouragement as that dad or that mom or that caregiver who keeps constantly pouring truth in and you see very little fruit or that person who's sharing with your neighbor and you're like, man, I've shared and I've shared and I've shared and I've shared. God says, I am watching over my word to perform it. That is amazing. Here's a big idea number three for you. Faithful voices of truth depend on God's word to do the work. We are the messengers of truth. Again, in gospel proclamation, in Christian discipleship, in admonishment and leading in our home, in speaking to our cultural moment and all of that, we depend on God's word. God says, listen, you be the voice of truth and I will faithfully watch over my word to perform it so that it will, Isaiah, carry out the purpose for which I sent it. He promises that. What an incredible promise. God, like a sentry watching over from the, from the guard tower, if you will, in, in creation-type language says, I'm going to watch over my word that it will not return void and it will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. And as a parent, I say, thank you, Lord. Do you mean my children? It's going to work. You're going to do your work through your word. My job is to continue to sprinkle and powder and give the word of God and it'll do its work. Yeah, even when they don't, act like they're listening. Even when they're distracted, yes, trust the word of God. Trust the word. It keeps going. We're almost done. Big idea number three, faithful voice of truth, depend on God's word. Verse 13, quickly, we'll wrap up. Time's up. Verse 13, he says, the word of the Lord came to me a second time. He says, what do you see? And he said, I see a boiling pot facing from the north. It's a picture of the Babylonian Invasion that's coming very soon in the land of Judah. The Lord said to me, out of the north, disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. Verse 16, and I will declare my judgments against them for all their evils in forsaking me. Again, speaking to the people of Judah, God's covenant people. They have made offerings to other gods. They have worshiped the works of their own hands. God's very clear. Jeremiah, you're stepping into a mess. <laughs> You're stepping into a mess. Verse 17, but you dress yourself for work. Arise, say to them everything that I command you. Everything, Lord, everything. 
Don't be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, and behold, verse 18, I, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, the lands, the people. I am going to protect you, Jeremiah. Trust me. Verse 19, they will fight against you. Imagine that. Jeremiah, I'm sending you to your people. You know what they're going to do? They're going to fight against you. They're going to throw you in a pit. They're going to put you in stocks. They're going to want you dead. But they will not prevail against you, verse 19, for I am with you. Listen, the assured presence of God was greater than any opposition or difficulty Jeremiah would ever face. I'm with you, declares the Lord to deliver you. Big idea number four, and we'll wrap up. When rejected, voices of truth, that's us, are assured of the presence of God. So my presence is better for you, greater for you than any, any difficulty, any challenge, any opposition that you'll face. I'm going to ask the team to come on up and just to begin to play. And we're going to move into a time of response. And you say, okay, what, what happened to Jeremiah? Well, words aren't on the screen. It, you, as, you, as you read through the book of Jeremiah, we know that there was one point that came in Jeremiah's life. And uh, the leaders, the religious officials of the day in chapter 28 declared, and they said this, when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak, to all the people that the priests and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him and said, you shall die. The people and the leaders of the day gathered around this voice of truth who was a true faithful prophet of God and said, he must die. He must die. He must die. And what happened in that particular instance was this. Read on verse 24. Again, just, just listen. It, it says, but the hand of Ahiakim, the son of Shaphan, was with Jeremiah so that he was not given over to the people to be put to death. God spared Jeremiah's life and raised up somebody to stand in the gap for him. But you can't read Jeremiah and you can't hear the voice of the faithful prophet. And if you know your New Testament at all, it doesn't go to the true faithful prophet who was King Jesus, who faced the exact same thing. In fact, Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, Jesus talking his disciples. He said this, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And on the third day, raised from the dead. See, Jeremiah had someone stand in the gap for him. Jesus didn't and went to the cross and died as our faithful Savior and the faithful prophet of God, faithfully dying for the sins of the world. So as we're called to be faithful voices of truth, we have an example in Jeremiah, but what's this? We have King Jesus Christ in us, the living Christ, who was the faithful prophet and voice of truth. God calls his people to be living, enduring voices of truth. Would you pray with me?
Father, I thank you for this text. I thank you for this incredible Old Testament book. I thank you for this man, Jeremiah. And Lord, most of all, I thank you for King Jesus. I thank you that your word says that sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Lord, give us a hunger for your word. God, empower us and enable us and equip us to be faithful, consistent, enduring, ongoing voices of truth at home, workplace, among other believers, and in this crazy, mixed-up culture we're living in. For the glory of King Jesus, we pray. We love you. All God's people said, amen.